This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm crazy grateful for all of you who subscribe, share, and leave reviews. If this is your first time, welcome to the Elevate community. Like our home church, Living Word, I and the Elevate leaders work as hard as we can to build an atmosphere of love to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. It would mean the world to us if you helped us get the word out by sharing this episode on social media. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate, visit us at iloveelevate.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you for everything you do, which brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. What is up, Elevate? Welcome back to week three of Step by Step. It's our series through the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. And I'm very excited to be here with you tonight. If you love Elevate, please share this on your page. Uh, Tag a friend in the comments that you want to hear this. Thank you, Noah. Definitely hit the like button and the heart button a whole bunch of times. And then just for the next 60 seconds or so, I'd love for you to throw into the comments something that makes you happy, something that just makes sure that you have a great day, type it in. Maybe it's a promotion at work. Maybe it's getting good grades. Maybe it's whenever uh, a brother or sister is coming home. What is it that just gives you a great day? What makes you happy? This is an article from Medical News Today, and I'm going to read some excerpts from it. Medical News Today. People may think that valuing happiness leads to a happier life. However, new research has found that wanting to feel happy can also have a negative outcome. Studies have concluded that excessively valuing happiness can cause a person to feel less happy. In some cases, it may even be associated with symptoms of depression. Again, the analysis found a significant link between depressive symptoms and the pursuit of happiness. Placing excessive emphasis on happiness can also reduce a person's ability to savor positive experiences. Medical news today. How often do you hear it said, or maybe you've said it, I just want to be happy. It's crazy how we will make critical life decisions, such as what career to pick, who to marry, getting divorces, all based on this idea of pursuing what will make me happy. How many times have you said it out loud to somebody else? I just want you to be happy. As if the life goal that we are pursuing ultimately is happiness. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. And it points out the idea that that view of life is not only short-sighted, it's also small-sighted. Here's a quote from Lewis. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what it is meant by the offer of a holiday or a vacation at sea. We are far too easily pleased. C.S. Lewis. It's not that our desires for all of these things are too strong. It's that our desires are so weak that they're focused on what is temporary and empty. Consider this. I love the idea. This is, this is a red M&M right here. Now, let's say that the whole world was saying that your ultimate achievement 
is to attain this M&M. This is what you want right here. You see this guy? And we're so zoomed in, focused on the M&M. This is what I got to get. This is what I've got to spend my money, my energy, my efforts, and my time on receiving. And then you eat the M&M and you're like, you swallow it, digest it, and poop. And then you're supposed to go after another M&M. And this is the life. And we're zoomed in. This is all we see. The next M&M, pursuing the M&M. When behind the M&M, if we could just see, stands a God who stands with a banquet table of every delicious thing that we could imagine. Except everything good that he offers is not the gift of his hands. It's the gift of himself. He himself is the greatest gift that he offers. He is everything we desire. He is everything that gives health to our brokenness. And what are some of those gifts? Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. This is the impression of walking with Jesus, arm in arm, that, that, that walking step in step with, with the Spirit. Notice it doesn't say the works of a Christian. No, he uses the phrase, the fruit of the Spirit. This isn't meant to be a checklist of things that we check off, that we're doing really well in, but except this one. We're not doing well on this, so my new week's resolution is to do better in joy. No, that's not it at all. This is an overflow of walking with the Holy Spirit, arm in arm throughout the day. And then when we spend time with him, his character rubs off on us. And his character blooms out of us. Those gifts of the Spirit. John 15, 4 through 5 says this, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, it is he or she that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We can only bear the fruit of the vine that we're attached to, of the tree that we're connected to. But don't miss this. Bearing fruit is anchored in the relationship with Jesus. Abide in me and I in you. It's that step-by-step relationship. Tonight's emphasis is joy. But remember, we're not talking about pursuing happiness. That's what the rest of the world does. No, no, we're talking about pursuing Jesus. And what does a believer who pursues Jesus look like? There's someone who's joyful. Isn't that beautiful? I love this. Let's look a couple of verses later in John. John 15, 8 through 11 says this. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. It's this fruit thing that he keeps going on about. And so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy, Jesus speaking, my joy may be in, inside of you, and that your joy, that joy inside of you, may be full. Let's contrast for a couple minutes. What's the difference between happiness and joy? Let's define them. Happiness. Happiness comes from the word happenstance. And if you were to do a quick Google search, happenstance can be defined by one word, and that means coincidence. 
It also comes from the old Norse word hap, H-A-P-P, which means luck or chance. So happiness is rooted in this idea of, of luck or chance or your circumstances, coincidences. It is absolutely attached to our present, to our immediate circumstances. And this present right now is what absolutely defines whether happiness exists or whether we are deficit of happiness. Our circumstances right now decide whether or not we are happy. It's temporary. It comes and it goes. Happiness is enjoyable. There's nothing wrong with the emotion of happiness. Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes, especially in verse, chapter 8, verse 15, he talks about how we're supposed to enjoy and be happy in the moment, to savor things. He goes on to talk about savoring special moments like feeling the sun on your face or a meal with a friend or, or rejoicing in achievement. And those are all great moments of happiness that we're supposed to stop and savor. But the rest of Ecclesiastes is also talking about how those moments of happiness are temporary. They're hollow. They have no substance. They come and they go, and they come and they go. That's why we need to enjoy them when they are there. But we can't try to, to grab onto them and hold onto them to last forever because they're empty. They're just vanity. Like for me, this is, a, this is an example that makes sense to me. Maybe it makes sense to you. But one of the little joys in life for me, one of the little happinesses, to be more correct is I love feeling the breeze on my face. I love standing out and feeling just the wind tussle my hair and just I feel it in my pores and it just flows over me and I open my arms and it airs out my armpits and it's just a great feeling. And one of the best places to experience that, that rush is someplace high. Like for me, it's like standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon or up on the Empire State Building, like feeling that breeze just wash over me and it's like this little moment of happiness. Now, there is nowhere in me that I would be silly enough, that I would be foolish enough to think that I could enjoy this moment of happiness so much that I could step out onto the wind and step off that ledge. Like, that's just stupid. We wouldn't step off a ledge thinking that wind would hold us up. And yet, so many people are living in existence amongst an 80-year drop. And they're grappling the whole way down to grab on to the wind, that moment of pleasure, that moment of happiness. They're trying to stand on something that isn't there. It's hollow and empty. And the end is death. It's temporary. Happiness is good. But we have to allow it to come past us like we're standing in the wind. That it's something that's going to come and it's something that's going to go. We can't try to grab onto it and make that our pursuit. We just stand and feel the breeze go by and enjoy those moments while they last. Instead, we stand on the solid rock. We stand on something that's unmoving. What is joy? Romans 5, 3 through 5, if you go to look at those verses, it talks about joy is looking forward and seeing hope on the horizon. If you were to look at James chapter 1, 2 through 4, joy is looking forward to seeing what God can do in us and creating us in us fullness and wholeness. Joy always seems to be looking forward, not looking down at present, but looking forward. I love this. We read this a couple weeks ago, but I want to read a couple more verses attached to it. Psalm 16, 8 through 11. This is David writing, and he says this, I have set Yahweh always before me, and because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. You recognize that verse? But let's keep going. 
Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure for you will make known to me the path of life. And in your presence, in your presence, hang on to that. In your presence is the fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. We get so stuck, focused on the M&M that we forget to look beyond a temporary happiness to see a God in whom is the fullness of joy, who is every gift that we desire. David is looking beyond his circumstances. How do I know? Because he says, I've set my eyes always on the Lord. I've set the Lord always before me. I love this quote by Rick Warren. He wrote the book, um, The Purpose Driven Life, and he says this, Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in every situation. Where is their joy? In the presence of God. And joy came to us. This is such a popular story. It's talking about the birth of Jesus. But let's take a look at it. Luke chapter 2, 8 through 10. And there were shepherds living in the fields. You know this story. And they were keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. What is the good news that the angel is proclaiming? It's that Emmanuel, God with us, has come. Jesus is present with us. That's the good news. That's what brings joy is Jesus with us. What does the angel say next? And go find him. Go looking for him. Pursue him. Go seek him out. So it comes down to a choice. What will we seek? What will we go and find? Let's become the shepherds. Let's stand in their sandals and decide what will we pursue? Will we pursue happiness? Will we pursue happiness? Or will we pursue Jesus? Will we go looking for Jesus? John 15, 8 through 11. Let's look back at that key verse again. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Let's skip forward. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, inside of you, and that your joy may be full. I love this because just a few verses earlier, he says, whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he or she that bears much fruit. God doesn't give us, he doesn't wander over to his fruit of the spirit seasoning cabinet and he pulls out the seasoning of joy and he's like, chink, 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 there's some joy for you. Hold on, let me go get some peace. Ah, peace, here was one over here. Chink, 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 peace. No, 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 no. He's in us. God doesn't give us an abstract idea of an emotion. God gives us himself. Instead of coming to a God with open hands, we come to a God with open arms. What a beautiful relationship that is. Walter B. Knight says this. I love this. Pay attention. Joy is the flag that flies over the castle of our hearts announcing, get this, The flag that flies over the council of our hearts, over the castle of our hearts, announcing that the king is in residence today. That's joy. Joy is what people see on you that says, he knows something, she knows something. What is going on about them? I remember I had this this great experience in a jeweler store. I was getting a watch fixed. and, And as I was about to leave, the guy just goes, I like you. You have a good vibe about you. 
And I'll be honest, I missed my opportunity because what a great opportunity to turn around and go, it's Jesus. Jesus is the, he's the, yeah, he's in residence in my heart. And this, this vibe that you feel, that's just the flag of joy in me. And C.S. Lewis sums it up like this. It's so short. It's six words, but it's worth writing down. Joy defined. Here you go. Joy is the enjoyment of God. A man or woman who enjoys God's presence will experience real joy. So let's define joy. This was a tricky. This was real tricky. But taking a look at all these scriptures and all this wisdom, it comes down to this. And we can see this over and over again in the verses that we just read. Joy defined as simply this. Joy is the deep soul satisfaction of being in God's presence. It is the contentment and the hope that we experience when we walk hand in hand in a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is the deep soul satisfaction of walking with Jesus Christ and knowing his presence. That is the definition of joy. Hold on to that. Let that echo in your mind, the deep soul satisfaction of being in Jesus' presence. And that is the kind of understanding that the author of this hymn wrote with. Consider this. Are we going to look pursuing happiness, or are we going to look pursuing Jesus? Listen to this hymn, and I'm sure you know it. Oh, soul, Are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's a light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth, the M&M, the things of earth, they're going to grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Perhaps our desires have been too weak. Maybe we've been so small-sighted as to build our lives around the M&M. Perhaps we've been trying to step out on the wind of happiness and we found nothing but void. Pursue Jesus. He is the solid rock that we can stand on. He is the sure foundation that we can root ourselves in. Psalm 1 says that whenever we pursue God and we lean on his word, we're like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. We're connected to his nutrients, the, the, the goodness that he is, so that we're strong and steadfast. And please allow me just a couple more minutes to give you a key. I love sermons that, that bring in action and, and the ability for me to take something home. And this is simply this. One of the most effective ways that we can pursue Jesus is, write this down, through the worship of thankfulness. The worship of thankfulness. Have you ever considered that before? Whenever we sit down and we go, God, thank you so much for this. And Lord, that just impacts me so much and I see you at work. Like we are worshiping through our gratefulness to God. Our heartbeats have a rhythm. Thump, 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 thump. And whenever our hearts get out of rhythm with what's intended, then our body doesn't function right. Actually, it crashes and burns pretty fast. And when our hearts get out of rhythm with what we were created to do by God, and that is worship, that is gratefulness, that is praise to him, then we experience a crash, and it looks like despair, purposelessness, hopelessness, exhaustion. Our heartbeat's drumbeat is meant to be a rhythm of praise. 
The rhythm of our lives, the rhythm of our heart is supposed to be thankfulness to Christ. And when we walk in that rhythm, when we walk step by step with the Spirit, and then we have a healthy heart, we have a direction, we have a purpose, we have a goal, and we receive all of God's awesomeness because it's God himself. And through that, we begin to bloom Jesus' characteristics because we're anchored in the vine. Is thankfulness the rhythm of our hearts? Do a self-check. Do we spend more words on complaining than we do on gratefulness? If you were to total them up, which would it be? Do we truly appreciate what God has done for us? Through the history of mankind, since the history of creation, God has always been the one to make up the distance between us and him. He's always been the one to reach out. Think of Peter sinking and Jesus catches him by the hand. God's been doing that since creation. He did that at the cross for us. Listen to this beautiful quote by Bruce Larson. Grimness is not a Christian virtue. There are no sad saints. If God really is the center of one's life and being, joy is inevitable. If we have no joy, we have missed the heart of the good news. And our bodies, as much as our souls, will suffer the consequences. A Jesus follower who walks in the worship of thankfulness, will walk in the deep soul satisfaction of being in the presence of Jesus. A Jesus follower walks in joy because they're walking with Jesus step by step. I love looking to David. He experienced so much. There's a story about David. It was in his older life. And he, as king now for many years, was an older gentleman. And his son Absalom rose up against him and sought to murder him so he could steal his father's throne. And in the middle of the night, David had to flee his own palace and escape into the wilderness of Judea. And he's lost, I don't know if he's lost, but he's stuck out in the middle of a desert. And he's looking behind every rock and he's waiting for the sounds of horse hooves for the day that his own son would want to kill him. And it's here in this context, in this desert, with this terror that is coming after him, that he writes Psalm 63. And I want to start at the end just for context. Verse 9 through 11. But those who seek to destroy my life, his own son Absalom, go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for the jackals. But the king as in referring to himself, David, but the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him will exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. Well, two things we learn quickly is that one, a lot of lies have been going around about David, and then two, they're seeking to kill him. They're seeking to take his life. And in the midst of this situation, understand his context. We're going to begin at verse one. You ready for this? Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Do you see what David's doing? He's in a physical dry and weary land where there is no water. But instead of his focus being on his location, his focus and his choice of desire is on who? Oh God, earnestly, I seek you. His, not, his eyes are not on his circumstances. Her eyes are looking towards his God. 
So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory because of your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied, soul satisfied, deep soul satisfied with the presence of God. My soul will be satisfied as if with fat and rich food. He's not focused on the M&M. He's focused on the feast of his God and of his gifts and of his presence. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you among my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help in the shadow of your wings. I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you, not to the air of happiness, not to the breeze. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. David isn't pursuing happiness. He's in a desert where there's no water, and he's pursuing God through the worship of praise and thankfulness. And he is leaning on his God to satisfy his soul and to lift him up. Isn't that beautiful? Doesn't that tie everything together? I have a question for you, Elevate. If you woke up tomorrow with only the things that you thanked God for today, what would you have? Let me ask you again. What if you woke up tomorrow and the only things that you had were what you thanked God for today? What would you have left? We must learn to live and breathe the worship of thankfulness. It should be the rhythm of our heartbeats because a man or a woman of God who worships will abound with all the fruit. They'll abound with joy. Joy, which is a deep soul satisfaction from walking in the presence of God. So Elevate, every week I'm going to bring three challenges to you to how you can spend time with Jesus. Go spend time with Jesus every day. You have no excuse. The first one is simply this, and it comes right out of our text. Make a list of your blessings. Sit down and write them out. But don't just like jot down everyone's name and every item in your bedroom. Like write them down. And spend a moment thanking God for it. Spend a moment recognizing the value of what God has put into your life through this person or through this thing. But don't forget the most important things that you can write on your list. Our salvation that he gave us at the cross. The hope that we have in Jesus Christ. The newness, the the opportunity to be born again, to be a slave. No, a son of the most high God. To be an heir of heaven. Let's get our eyes off of the little things that make us happy on to the eternal things that we can stand on. So number one, make a list of your blessings. Number two, journaling. A lot of, one of the most simple ways of journaling is as you read a little portion of scripture that you write down your thoughts about it and you pray that the Holy Spirit speaks to you so that you start uncovering nuggets of gold, that the Holy Spirit will speak through your journaling, write down your thoughts, write down the new things that you're seeing and recognizing, write down your prayer requests, write down your list of blessings. So number one is make a list of your blessings. Number two is journaling. And number three is so fun. It's going for a walk in prayer. Like you just take a walk out in your neighborhood. Maybe there's a little near nature trail or just make a loop around your house, but take a walk with Jesus. 
Walk all the way in prayer. Talk to him like you're talking to, to your friend who's on a walk with you. Hold him by the hand and have a conversation with Jesus as you go on a walk. Tell him your hurts. Tell him what's going on in the world around you. Take a couple minutes and just be quiet and listen. Let him speak back to your heart. I love you, Elevate. Remember that joy is the deep soul satisfaction from walking in the presence of God. Elevate, if this added value to your life, go and share it, tag your friends, like it, publicize it wherever you can. Also, you can get on iloveelevate.com and under the tab of podcasts, all the sermon notes are there on a link. Also, you can listen to the podcasts and catch up from weeks previous. Go check out our Instagram profile and you can see all the cool things that have been going on. Some of the most beautiful testimonies from Elevate students are there. Go check them out. And please make sure you let your e-group leader know because at in 10 minutes, we're starting our virtual e-groups. So let your e-group leader know that you want to be a part and they'll make sure that you're in it. Heavenly Father, we surrender to you wholly and completely. Lord, may we walk not in happiness, not even in the idea of joy, but let us walk in your presence where there is the fullness of joy. Let us walk knowing that we have hope and faith and purpose and direction because of you with us. We love you, Holy Father. Jesus, come and be with us. Jesus, you are the one and only one that can give our life direction. And may we build the discipline of walking in the worship of thankfulness. May our heart beat to the rhythm of your joy through the words of our praise. We love you, Holy Father. We give tonight to you. Bless our e-groups and let them be powerhouses. Let us uncover deep truths. Let us open up our minds and, and give us the opportunity to apply these to our lives. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' holy, precious, glorious name, amen and amen. I love you, Elevate, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. Episodes are recorded every Wednesday at Elevate Student Ministry. All students, 7th through 12th grades, are welcome.